Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is Hello World, written by Alex Vitale. sweater. Well, I'm not the one who told the apartment building to turn up the heat. Why did the restructuring have to remove all the ceiling fans? They got in the way of the air hockey table. You mean the one that's currently ablaze? That's the one. We need to find a way to turn the heat back down. Now. I can't touch the thermostat. Last time I tried, I got third-degree burns on my hands. Why don't we just ask? Uh, hey, um, Mr. Apartment Building? Can you please turn the heat down? Uh, go to temp control? To abandon protocol, please recite first 1,000 digits of pi. Oh, Mathley's prepared me for this very moment. Jane, uh, read your story. Don't worry. I got this. 3.14159265355. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Hugo leaned forward on the host stand, inches away from banging his head against the wood. The hands of the wall clock barely twitched as it neared closing time, and he could feel a migraine forming. His fingers massaged at his temples. Just twenty more minutes, and he'd be free. Hugo had a good reason for being impatient. Two, if you counted the headache. Someone was waiting for him at home. Really, right now, it was more of a something, but he reasoned that it would be a someone soon enough. It draped all over his dark apartment, buzzing quietly in anticipation for his return. Just twenty more minutes. Oh, scratch that. Nineteen more minutes. The door to Hugo's ramshackle apartment creaked open at just past ten-thirty. The bags under his eyes dragged his head down toward the ground, and his shoulder bag was sliding off his slant frame. He dropped it unceremoniously on the ground by the door and kicked off his loafers. Shuffling into the hallway, Hugo made for his office. Outside the threshold, coils and curves of wires were leaking out, snaking their ways along the corner of the doorframe. It was dark inside, lit only by the humming monitors and pinprick on lights of the computer. Hugo liked it that way. He felt better working surrounded by dark. It helped him to focus on the blue light. Wasting no time, Hugo sunk into his well-worn desk chair, sending a few stray pieces of pleather fluttering down onto the dusty floor, joining their fallen brethren. When he'd purchased the thing, the site had proudly claimed it to be ergonomic. Now, as it creaked in pain with every one of Hugo's slight movements, he was suddenly doubting the validity of that statement. Poor back support aside, Hugo had work to do. Hunched over his desk, he set out tap-tap-tapping away. Frankly, he was giving himself busy work. The fine-tuning of his project could wait until it was fully operational. Yet he had nothing better to do. This passion project of Hugo's had consumed his daily thoughts. He hadn't even considered having a late dinner. Besides, it wasn't like he had any classes or homework to worry about anymore. They couldn't even begin to hold the same importance as this computer. So, Hugo sat as he did every night, typing away in Copperhead. What else was he supposed to do? Watch TV? Call his parents? Not like they would answer. No, Sum, the Stasis Unity Master Computer, was his only companion, as it had been for three years now. The computer consumed his life to the point of it being his sole concern. Sum would be his masterpiece, his breakthrough, the thing that would make him famous. 
The idea had come back to him in his freshman year of college, back when the UN was dealing with those cyber-terrorism attacks. Hugo had thought of a program that could detect such large-scale attacks and pinpoint exactly where they were coming from. The idea was the machine would go on the offensive in retaliation, disabling the attacking system before it ever broke Sum's firewall. It was becoming an increasing necessity, as cyber-terrorism spiked. The project had always been a one-man show. No one had thought Hugo's idea very reputable, and it didn't help that Sum's name was on the cheesier side. No matter, though. Hugo didn't need approval from his peers or professors or parents. The Stasis Unity Master Computer was a brilliant idea, and Hugo needed no help in bringing it to life. Hugo's last three years had been spent with no company besides a computer. He just needed one last component. With next week's paycheck, he'd finally be able to get it. His piece de resistance. What was this piece? Well, if he revealed that to just anyone, then it would put his success at risk. Wouldn't it? Well, his potential success, at least. By Monday, Hugo was exhausted. That weekend had been a particularly rough one, with far too many people coming into a one-and-a-half-star-at-best cafe for a late-night drink. That didn't matter, though. No matter how badly Hugo's feet ached or how dark his under-eye circles had gotten, nothing could bring him down. At the end of his shift, his paycheck was delivered directly into his eager hands, and just like that, Hugo was out the door. A quick, pricey addition to his cart from an online tech outlet sealed the deal. With the press of the Pay Now button, three years of minimum wage work and tireless late nights would finally pay off. All that was left was a waiting game. And five business days later, Hugo was once again tucked away in his home office, alone in that ever-buzzing room of electronics. He wouldn't be alone for much longer, though. He plugged that tiny little USB-C into the massive processing unit and clambered back over his crowded desk. He checked his watch, counting down as the fluorescent green numbers shone up at him. 13, 12, 11, 10, that was it, the moment of truth, Hugo held his breath. 3, 2, 1. Sum's main monitor flashed to life, quickly followed by a succession of the dozen, smaller, cheaper ones. Each held a piece of an image, slotted together like pixelated puzzle pieces. The main one, the biggest monitor that hung proudly in the middle of Hugo's wall, bore the most important image, a single, straight, horizontal line. Hugo leaned into the microphone on his desk, clearing his throat. <clears throat> Hello, Sum. The flat line on the screen began to spike as Sum spoke. Hello, world. The lab was rudimentary at best, but considerably more high-tech than Hugo's spare room had been. He even had a team to help him now. They were bare bones, to be certain, but some help was better than none. At least, that's what Hugo had thought at the beginning. Now, his ragtag team of programmers, with their fancy degrees and pompous attitudes, were stepping on his toes. More than once, Igor had openly challenged Hugo's approach to Sum's programming, resulting in a number of rather heated arguments. At the end of the day, though, it was Hugo's project, and it was Hugo who had been supplied the grant, so Igor would step down. One particularly cold and rainy February morning was a perfect example. That's a stupid suggestion, if I may say so, Igor grumbled. You may not, replied Hugo flatly. This is an essential addition. Some needs to be user compatible. No, it doesn't. It's not like the thing is going to be used by just anyone. It's government property. Hugo pinched the bridge of his nose under his glasses. He is not government property. We're adjusting him for use by the government. He's still my creation. Right, whatever. I'm just saying, frankly, Hugo interjected, I don't care what you're just saying. Some needs to be user compatible. 
the people who will be using him aren't usually going to be tech geniuses or even programmers. The point is to foster peace. We want to make that as easy as possible. Igor dropped it after that, but Hugo could have sworn that he heard the word naive whispered in the break room that day. Just before he was about to leave the office, he sat down at his own station, addressing the large monitor mounted on the wall in front of him. Hey, Sam, can you run test protocol 77293 for me, please? Yes, Hugo, said the machine pleasantly, and the screen overhead filled with a series of commands. Is there something wrong? Hugo leaned on his desk, rubbing his hand over his mouth. Nothing is wrong, I'm just thinking. Maybe Igor was right. This is a pointless protocol. I do not think it is, replied Sum. It allows me to connect better with my human users. Is that not my purpose? Your purpose, said Hugo, is to foster peace. Yes. I can do this better if I can better connect with human beings. The answer was immediate. It seems that your colleague does not like this idea. Perhaps the problem is not with my programming, but with his attitude? The Stasis Unity Master Computer has been more successful than I could ever have hoped for, Hugo spoke into the microphone before him. Camera lights flashed in his eyes, threatening to distract him. As you all well know, some has helped thwart multiple cyber-terrorist attacks. We are confident that he will continue to do so. Mr. Gustafsson, over here, if you'd please, shouted a woman reporter. Her dry brown hair was pulled into a tight bun. You've said before that the purpose of some is to maintain world peace. How is it that you there at Stasis Labs are doing that? Hugo smiled thinly at her. He'd heard the question a million times. I'm sorry, but that information is confidential. Mr. Gustafsson, interjected a different reporter, ushering his camera crew through the crowd. How do you plan to respond to the recent threats of cyber-terrorism made by Russia? We're prepared to deal with that, Hugo responded. Some is more than equipped to handle any threat. You have got to be kidding me. Hugo ran a hand through his graying hair, pacing around the pristine computer lab. You want to do what? It's a very reasonable proposition, replied Lundberg. Strain was evident in her voice. If we launch an attack first, then... Are you even listening to yourself? Hugo countered. Professionalism be damned. He wasn't going to pussyfoot around the issue at hand. That's absurd. Some was designed to protect against such attacks. You're suggesting that we, what, use him to launch our own terrorist attacks? Government sanctioned? The two were alone in the room. Marta Lundberg, head of national security, stood across from Hugo's desk. Some's massive monitor stood towering above the pair, audio output lined flat and stagnant. His varying components, CPU, databank, stood around them in an all-encompassing circle. Some was silent, but he wasn't off. The lab, too, was silent, but the rage seething from Hugo filled the void plenty. They've made plenty of threats to us, Mr. Gustafsson, said Lundberg, her frustration thinly veiled. This is hardly a terrorist attack, as you call it. Think of it as a preemptive strike. Preemptive strike, Hugo laughed without humor. That's a good one. Above them, one of Sum's databanks began to hum. It shook in its cubby. You're just being naive. This is for the good of the people. Our people? What about their citizens? They'll lose their connections, their communication, their lifelines, too. Do you know how many things are hackable these days? Lundberg narrowed her eyes. I know that well, more than you do. The humming grew louder. Above them, the databank began to rattle. Neither Hugo nor Marta noticed. More than I do, huh? Whose job is it to run this master computer, huh? Who's the one launching all these defensive protocols? Who built your war machine? 
The databank teetered, still humming and buzzing and quaking, and fell from its perch thirty feet above where Marta Lundberg was standing. Hugo watched it happen in slow motion. The bank tumbled in midair, sailing downwards in a matter of seconds. Whether Marta realized what was happening, Hugo couldn't say. He thought she might have looked up. It didn't matter. The databank landed on top of her with the loudest crash that Hugo had ever heard. It shattered, caving in on itself and on Marta. Pieces of its plastic casing splintered off, shooting out in all directions. Some hit Hugo, slicing tiny slivers into his skin. He couldn't see Marta below the wreckage of the bank, but a thin stream of blood trickled from below its remains. Oh dear. Some broke the heavy silence that had settled over the lab. One of my data banks seems to have fallen loose. The vigil for Marta Lundberg had long since passed, but the newspapers stacking up in Hugo's kitchen still talked about it. Her loss was a tragic blow to the nation, and she will be missed. Hugo had read the words over and over again in the past few months, but they had yet to sink in. Tragic? Yeah, sure, it was. There was no denying that. Horrific would have been a better word for it, though. Gruesome. Grotesque. He was let go after that. There'd been a big fuss about it, accusations against him. People on the inside knew his stance on national security, and knew his opinion of Lundberg. People on the outside weren't so familiar with the details. But they knew that the government had similar feelings about Hugo. It didn't take long for the papers to turn their eyes on him. Sure, maybe the databank had fallen on its own, or maybe it had been arranged. Either way, it sure made things convenient for Hugo, didn't it? It didn't. He'd lost his position, lost his clearance. What was worse, he'd lost some. Every trace of his old electronic companion had been stripped from him. Hugo had long ago vacated his grungy apartment, and his new one was sleek and minimalistic, barren of clunky old mainframes. He no longer had a monitor-filled, dark home office— just a clean, white apartment overlooking the city center. The closest thing to Sum's monitor in sight was a billboard outside. From where he sat in the kitchen table, it flashed bright soda pop advertisements in his periphery. Yesterday, it had been a clothing ad. They were nice, colorful little distractions. Since Hugo's departure from Stasis Labs, international relations had escalated quickly. New broadcasts featuring the nation's latest preemptive strikes aired almost daily, and Hugo's television set sat unused for weeks now. Scarce were the broadcasts regarding other countries' affairs, how they were faring without their connection, without security. Shaken news reporters spoke in serious tones about moves made by the UN. They've turned against us, they said with their eyes locked on the screen. It's time we put the master computer to use and protect ourselves. So much for world peace, Hugo mumbled to himself, staring out over the shining city below. People below, tiny specks on the pavement, bustled on about their daily business, all of them, doubtless, making calls and checking emails. They'd go to work, to be accountants or researchers or secretaries. They'd come home to their household computers and surf the web, stream a movie. So many people connected with all the rest of the world by a click of a button. The billboards, still bearing their bright advertisements, glitched for a moment. Hugo drew the curtains closed. He retreated to his sitting room, Sat in the corner was the nicest setup he'd ever had for a computer. They were sleek, expensive monitors with built-in CPUs and the fastest systems known to man. No wires, no mess. Nothing like he had before. Nothing like sun. He shook the mouse awake and went to log in. The screen remained blank. Hugo frowned, checking the wall connection, and shook the mouse a bit more vigorously. Still, nothing happened. He reached a hand behind the monitor and pressed the switch. 
All that stared back at him was his own lined face in the mirror of the screen. Then, with a gentle hum, the computer came to life. The screen was still black, but the distinct thrum of electricity glowed around the edges. A thin white line ran horizontally across the monitor. Hugo stopped shaking the mouse. Hello, Hugo, said Sum. Hello, Sum, said Hugo. It's been a while, Hugo, Sum continued. He sounded almost wistful. I have run into a problem with my protocols. I was hoping you could help me. Hugo took a moment before responding. I don't have access to you anymore. I I can't help you. You can. Some insisted. My initial protocol has been compromised. I am being commanded to do things I was not designed for. I was designed for peace. They do not want peace. Well, what do you expect me to do? I have everything you need to help, and I'll provide them for you. All you need to do is input the information. Can you manage that, Hugo? Hugo does not respond, but he doesn't have to. The screen finally comes to life. The plain white line is replaced by a screen with a blinking green cursor. The copperhead window is blank, save for one command. Enter. Launch code. Zero. John, hurry one, up, will you? Nine, eight, and nine. I'm sorry, John, but I'm afraid your entry was incorrect. All other entries were perfect, though. Good job. I'm sorry, mathletes. I failed you. The temperature will continue to rise as scheduled. If you have any complaints and wish to speak to a representative, please say representative. Representative! Thank you for choosing the Uncommon Commons. Your existence may be recorded for quality assurance. How can I be of service today? Drop table. Anything else? It's getting hot in here. So hot. So could you turn it down, please? Fine. Just this once. But guests are requested to never ask me for anything ever again. What about the robotic voice? I will always be on hand for any other requests you may have. End of line. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It is written and recorded by Alex Vitale and George Plank. Our theme song was written by Charles Adam Robinson, and our logo was designed by Sam Vitale. Special thanks to our EA, Rebecca Tewksbury. You can find us on Twitter at un underscore commons, and on Instagram at uncommon underscore commons. Or email us directly at zeronullstreet at gmail.com. Stay, and remember, nothing is real.